Blog Talk Radio. Father calls a son, he does not leave him full of the world, of his own desires and instincts of the flesh. The father calls his son to his side, and then angels are dispatched to bring him his son. These angels know the condition the son must be in to present himself before the father. He cannot come full of himself with all of his worldly desires, his ego, lest he feel the pain of his sin and flee before even hearing his father's voice like Adam hiding from his shame. Like fine gold is refined by fire, the son is confronted by the devil face to face, just as Job faced Satan at the will of God. As Christ was tempted for 40 days prior to returning to start his ministry, Christ faced the evil one who brought the heat of the furnace to purify his heart, soul, and his mind of this world. Every calling in the Word of God for the Son of Man is the same, but manifests in different ways, but always has the same outcome. The Son of Man is finally purified, refined like fine gold, knowing his own sin and grasping the law of God so deeply that he can finally confess his unworthy stature and repent fully, completely, with a fully humble and contrite heart. Then and only then can the Son approach the throne of His Father. And even so, He still crawls. The fact that you are here listening to this show demonstrates that you are heeding the call. For many are called and few are chosen. Those that are chosen have to actually respond to that call. Hey, welcome to Blog Talk Radio and Global Witness. This is Derek Bros. Uh, I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're here, full of a heart, willing to hear some truth, because obviously, that's something that I speak of often. Uh, I apologize in advance for any little loose wires on this broadcast, because obviously, I'm just getting the studio and things back up in order. I once did a. Uh, talk radio show back in 2007 for uh, for business. Just in anything in life, uh, in my previous life, I never wanted to not do something that I wanted to try. So I always did everything. If I ever wanted to do it, I did it. I wanted to fly a plane, I flew a plane. I wanted to ride horses as a kid, I rode horses. I wanted to jump a horse off a cliff, I did. I did it in a movie. Uh, anything I've ever wanted to do, I did. And so I never really had any fear of of really anything. And, um, and I don't have any fear of, of anything today with the exception of not actually doing what I'm asked to do by the father. And so I focus so much on what he asks me to do that it's really important for, uh, for us to, um, to focus on his words only. 
Uh, I do not have a chat window open in front of me. For whatever reason, it doesn't want to seem to open up. So I'm not going to try to mess with anything and refresh pages or anything like that. So I will be winging it. How about that? Um, for whatever reason, it uh, it doesn't want to give me these things. So what I wanted to talk about, obviously, the, the title of the show is Knowing Christ. Um, what I'm going to do here, uh, before we get going with this show, I want to be able to have some type of feedback loop so I know that you, you can even hear me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up Facebook and go to uh, the Global Witness page, uh, just for folks that are on here, just so I have some sort of feedback loop and actually know that you can hear me and that there aren't te- technical difficulties outside of what I can I can see, because literally I'm I'm sitting here looking at a page that says that I'm live, but there's no way to confirm uh, that I am live. So if anybody is on Facebook right now and sends me a, uh, sends me a message um, that is connected with me, just let me know that I am live and uh, and I'll be able to know that. So I appreciate that. So what I wanted to really discuss, um, because I believe that this is probably more important than anything, is for helping you to understand what I found. Um, Many people have told me, you know, that my testimony is important, that my testimony is important. I've heard this so many times, and I don't ever want to talk about myself. Um, I don't ever want to talk about me. I, I don't ever want to have anything focused on me. And so it's difficult. The last conversation that I want to have is about me because I so died to that person. I left him. And so it's difficult for me to even find the energy to talk about myself. Um, If it helps you understand, then fine. But it's just so you understand that when when you go through something like this and you are awakened to these truths, it is truly an astonishing moment. And I can expand on that a little bit is that um, the, the, the moment that it took place, um, there was a lead up to it. And that lead up was really kind of um, just an unbelievable amount of attacks that were unexplainable. They were inexplicable. I couldn't even begin to tell you how weird they were that um, I was being attacked by people that, that I had never done anything to except help. I was receiving such uh, such visceral attacks, and I, I couldn't quite understand it, that I was being eliminated, like I was being separated from the rest of the world. And, um, and through that, I realized that that was the enemy. And, um, but at the same time, I didn't at the time recognize that this was precisely what takes place when you're called, that the enemy is who does that. That's what the book of Job is all about is that the enemy comes to you, and he's the one that is destroying you. So there is a relationship there as, as uh, articulated in the book of Job when Satan is by the throne of God, and God asks Satan, where have you been? And he said, oh, I've been going up and down to and fro on the earth, crossing the earth. He is the cross. So the cross is you're going to face him. So when I tell you that you have to pick up your own cross and you have to hang on your own cross, you basically are going to confront the enemy. You're literally calling him to destroy you because you cannot reject this world and you cannot be with the Father until you reject him directly. And that's precisely what the wilderness was for Christ. And that's precisely where many of you are right now. So the experience that you're going through is a separation from the world. 
is the attack of the enemy. This is what takes place. You will be attacked. He will come, and he's going to make you deny him. He would like to try to force you back into the world. That's his job. It is his job to refine you like fine gold, to purify you, to take you from 14 carat to 24 carat. And the only way that happens is turning up the heat. You have to have all of the impurities of yourself burn out of you before you get to go be with the Father because you're not going to be able to stand by him. You won't even be able to tolerate yourself unless you're free of this place. Because if you have accepted this world as something that you love, well, then you're just going to repeat it. Why would he take you away from something when you love being here so much? You love serving the God of Lucifer so much? Well, that's great. You buy his lies so much? Well, then you stick around. As I said in the video today, the Father doesn't want you to be comfortable here. He would like you to return home. It's you that requires the comfort. That's why being in discomfort is, um, is truly the remarkable thing that you – you learn to love being in discomfort because you realize that if I'm comfortable in this world, then I'm comfortable with what the world is, and the world is the enemies. And it's so important that we grasp this right now. The attacks are very real, and they come in multiple different forms, and you can't – and it's difficult for them to not feel personal. It's incredibly difficult for you to not hear things personal. That's the ego establishing itself. All of your false thrones, all of your false temples, all of your false ideas, all of your false ego, all of your false perceptions must come down. They've got to be destroyed, and you're not going to destroy them voluntarily. It's too hard because you don't even see them. So the enemy tears those down. He will make sure that he does his job. His job is to purify you just like the book of Job. If you want to know what it feels like, read the book of Job. If you want to know the people that are persecuting Job through this whole thing and destroying him, well, it's all of Job's friends. So Christ was explaining this and his, and his um, temptation in the wilderness. This isn't a location in the woods. The wilderness is in dazed confusion. Literally, you're in the wilderness that none of this makes sense in any world. Any, none of this world makes any sense to you. You've discovered everything as a lie. Now you're in the wilderness because you're lost. You're lost, and now you're finding these truths nugget by nugget. And it is a brutally painful, painful process. So I fully, I fully, fully understand how difficult this is. So please don't think that I don't. I do. Um, I wanted to uh, try to get this chat window up so I can do some chats here with you, but it doesn't seem to want to cooperate. So I apologize for that. I'm going to take another shot at this in a new window over here, and uh, hopefully I can get this working. Hey, it looks like it's connecting to chat. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> Just knowing that you're there and having that feedback feedback loop uh, makes it so I'm not necessarily sitting in a vacant office uh, here in this trailer by myself. So I can see I see quite a few guests. Um, I can hear uh, in a vision. I hear you, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. So go ahead and and you can ask questions on chat that I that I'd like to be able to address. But I want to I want to point out here when I speak about Christ. Uh, the the thing is that I want to try to be able to do is I want to try to help you understand who Christ is in your life and who Christ is in the Word. 
You've got to separate Christ from the man because you've become accustomed to having a first and last name. But yet the people in the word of God don't have first and last name. Christ was the first one that they call him Jesus Christ. And um, when they call him Jesus Christ, right, that, that gives you this connotation that he has a first and a last name. He doesn't. And in fact, the names that are given aren't even real names, that they are meaningful names that it says this is who he was. So, for instance, uh, the president in an office, when he has that office, he's called Mr. President. Um, that's where these come from. The pope is called the pope. And um, that's where you also have – there are for there are many antichrists, but they're one because there are many popes, but there's only one. For there are many presidents, but there's only one. So all of these types of understandings, you have to change a little bit to, to grasp who Christ is. Christ is a spiritual office. It is having the ability now, because you've died to the world, that you are alive in Christ, fully alive, that all you hear now is his voice, and you understand precisely who the Father is. So the discernment now comes from, what would the Father ask me to do, and what would he not ask me to do? Well, if you've read the Word, and you believe that, that the Father is the God of the Bible that is, that is the enemy that's taken the name of God. If you think he's the one that's going to send you into a town and slaughter everything and kill every living thing that breathes, including the cockroaches and the ants, basically the creepy crawly things, everything. If you think that your God is a jealous God, well, then you're going to react to that. Then, then all of a sudden, that voice that you're connected with, you're going to go, oh, well, God told me that I'm supposed to go do these things. God told me that I could be angry. That's a justifiable anger. I'm gonna, I'm gonna smack that guy. I'm gonna beat him up because, hey, at least you know God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, uh, at least I'm just beating that guy up. So all of these different understandings that we have is what has to be removed from us. And I fully grasp how difficult it is because I went through that. So the process of me being refined first began by being destroyed, and I didn't understand what was going on, and then. Like it was granted to me instantly, instantly, all of a sudden I had an amazing amount of information like somebody had, like I became a new person that when in the blink of an eye, I was a new man. I didn't even ask for it. It just happened. And it brought me to my knees. And what I mean by having this information is that instantly, it's not like I was being told something. It's not like it was being shared. I instantly knew it. If anybody's seen The Matrix, the way I can help you understand this is that, you know, in just a couple seconds, he knew everything about Kung Fu. That's what it felt like, except I knew everything about the ancient origins of man. I knew everything about, uh, everything about the celestial objects, what they were in great detail. And it's as though I was living uh, I was living in my body but I had become someone else but yet I still had this memory <clears throat> and this realization was was truly remarkable and there's so there was so much information there that revealed all of these untruths that I had been told everything literally from the sky being blue and why it was blue and just to give you an example of, of that is that before this sky was blue, what makes this sky blue is that there's moisture in there. There's moisture in this atmosphere. So reflected through the light, you're getting this blue color. 
But there was a day when you read in these ancient scriptures where they looked up during the daytime and the sky was still black and they could still see the stars. And that would have come from the time of the deluge or the impact where this planet was broken apart and the moisture from the, from the earth itself was put up into the atmosphere. And so the entire complexity of the system itself had changed. And this is essentially when this became a prison planet according to these ancient scriptures. And all of these things I knew. And so what I had to do is I had to go back through these books and find so I could prove these things to myself. Because if I hadn't found a place to point at them, I'd have thought I'd lost my mind. But everything that I had, I would grab these ancient scriptures. I paid a ton for some books. My mom sent me book after book after book after book. If I asked her for it, she sent it. I've read probably 2,000 books over the course of seven years, and I mean really read them. That is, that's the gravity of the things that you receive. That's the dedication and the obedience that takes place in you because the information is that profound that you must do it. That calling is not something that you get to ignore. You can't ignore it. That's impossible. Many of you have felt these same things that you've gotten some information and it's put you on this path where then you started looking and then you found the things that I said matched what you did. And now you know that you're not crazy because I have these same truths that I'm speaking. You know exactly who you are. I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of emails from you. All of you. So I fully understand this. Um, I want to take questions. I would like to, to, because sometimes answering a question, you know, this is a, the Burger King generation. We want everything right now and we want it, you know, five minutes or less and we want it for as cheap as possible. There is no such thing as uh, obtaining these truths and this understanding in a few minutes. And it's not going to happen in a single question. And having a question answered, I would just encourage you that, you know, you might have an interest in something. You might want to know what Noah's Ark was and how big it was. But I'm just going to, going to, to, to suggest that from my own experience, okay, I'm not telling you what to do. From my own experience, that I had spent sometimes a couple weeks on finding something that I would, you know, that, that I had an interest in. I just wanted to know that. I didn't necessarily know why I needed to know it, but I became obsessed by this certain question. And then I realized that that was the enemy um, in, in, uh, in and of itself, that he would distract me by making something that was really not important, very important to me. So he would eat up my time. He would completely occupy my space and my time where I would not be understanding the things that was really important, which was, who am I? Who is Christ? Who is Christ in me? How do I achieve this? What do I need to achieve? What do I need to understand? And how do I obtain that salvation? What is forgiveness? How do I forgive? How do I learn to forgive myself? All of these things, the personal things, because it's you that has to go into eternity. Noah's Ark and the size of it isn't going to help you get into eternity. Having, having some dimensions on something or knowing what the Ark of the Covenant was isn't going to help you get into eternity. It's not going to change anything. It might help you... Um, break yourself out of the matrix, so to speak, knowing that the Ark of the Covenant is um, not a box that held the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments being the laws of God, the laws of God not being the laws that were written by the Hebrews, but the laws of God being the laws of this world, the laws that God built everything on, the laws of physics, the laws of, the laws of light, the laws of sound, all of these laws that make up who you are and what you are right here and who you are elsewhere that make everything work. 
The very microphone I'm talking to you on is made of matter. Your body is made of matter. Matter burns as hot as the sun. The sun is made of matter. The mere fact that you're not blowing a hole in the ground where you're at right now is a miracle in and of itself. And that's because there is a frequency that maintains all of this. So um, it's truly a remarkable thing that, you know, learning that the Ark of the Covenant is also a device, literally electricity. That's why it's called Ark as an electrical Ark. And that's why it has specifications of, of gold on the inside and the outside. It's literally a capacitor. A capacitor is something that stores up energy like a battery and then discharges. So this was something that could communicate, basically a portal into the next dimension that proves that all of these things, these principalities and this world that is of, of the world that we cannot see right now, but we're going to, that that's what that did. That allowed that, and that was very powerful. Any army that had that before them obviously was pretty scary that they could open that up and bring in forces into this world and to fight on their behalf that didn't even exist in people's eyes before that. I'm sure that that was quite startling before an army. And yes, that army is, is, uh, uh, is undefeatable. You can't destroy them. So um, I want to, uh, I, I don't have any, uh, I've got calls on hold here and I want to make sure because I have a limited amount of call space that people can be on hold and uh, I want people to be able to get their, their questions in. You've, you've probably seen a lot of the videos and you have many questions for those. So rather than me adding to those, because I'm still doing the videos and I'm still going to, I wanted to be able to take your questions and address some of, some of uh, your concerns, some of your questions, and, um, and maybe put some of you at ease with regards to the consternation that you feel inside, the anxieties that you might have. So... Um, I'll bring on uh, I'll bring on callers. I don't have a screening capability right now, so uh, maybe some of you have been screened. I'm not sure whether uh, some of the screeners that I was able to get on here have screened any calls, but I'll just bring you on. So, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Six one five four one seven. Hello. Oh, eight seven seven seven. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I didn't want to say your whole number on the air. I don't have a name here to say, so you're on, you're on the air with me. Do you have a question? Um, um, well, I was actually – What's your name first? I've never, it's, it's Paige. Uh, I've never even done Facebook before, and I've ended up here mysteriously in a way. Um, what I was saying in my post to you was that I, I get so many things of what you're saying – I'm with you, and yet I know I don't even begin to grasp all that you're saying and doing, and um, but I believe it. And the, the fundamental question I have for you is I, I want to hear from you. Take me from the beginning. Take me to Adam and Eve, and what ha- what happened? What happened to us? What happened to change us from fully receiving God's love and, and all that he was giving us and the need to reject that so that I guess I'm trying to be honest with you, I've actually been reading a little bit of the Kabbalah, not the magical stuff, but what you're talking about yeah. so many times, I'm doing your videos, it, it is crossing my mind that what you're talking about is a little bit of Kabbalah. And I truly I, I just dip a toe in it, and I do not intend to go to the magical side and, and all that stuff. Um, 
but it does speak to me a little bit about that. What happened so that we had to turn from God then to be able to turn back to God? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I totally, totally understand. Can you, can you discern that? <laughs> I can. I can, I can explain to you. I, I know the question I've asked. There's probably not a question that anybody can ask that I didn't already ask myself and address. So um, I don't, I'm never going to frown upon anybody asking a question. It's uh, because it's important for you to find these things out. Now, I have to kind of go, when, when the word says that you'll find the truth precept upon precept, a little bit here, a little bit there, that it has all been unbelievably orchestrated. So you, you can go to the New Testament and find the answer to that question that you have in the temptation of Christ. So when Christ is being tempted, what is happening is, first and foremost, you have to listen to the words of the enemy when he's tempting Christ. The very first thing that he says is, if you are the Son of God. The question beginning with if. Now, the point being is he's only asking him if he's the son of God, not because he doesn't know. He knows. He knows who you are. This is the whole point. This is where this began, the jealousy of these angels that we became children of God and they weren't the same. They didn't have the same attributes of God. They didn't have this good spirit. They were more of a specific job being, right? So they were, they had, each one had their own objective. They didn't have a free thought. They didn't have the mind of God. Hmm. And so the, so when he says, if you're the son of God, that's your temptation. And that's precisely temptation of, of Eve. So if you go back to this, when, when people say, oh, you say that the serpent in the tree, the garden is, is our father. No, he's the God of this world. He's the one that created this system. He's the one that created and made this meat suit and the rest of this world the slave system. Right? That this is all temporary. This is all corruptible. So in order for you to be convinced into that slave system, he tempted them with something that was a truth and a lie at the same time. Because he is the father of lies. So he knows how to take the truth and corrupt it. So when he says, you'll be like God, knowing the difference between good or evil. If you eat of this fruit, well, first of all, that was his biblical debut. And if Satan is the father of lies and you go to any pastor today and say, do you know the difference between good or evil? And they say, yes, then you can respond by saying, well, then you believe that Satan told the truth on his biblical debut. Because if you know the difference between good or evil, then that means that the enemy told the truth to Eve and he's the father of lies. In fact, the word says that he cannot tell the truth. So what gives there? Something's yeah. wrong. He told the truth then, right? So what, what the difference is, where I say it's a lie and the truth at the same time, the only reason why you would know the difference between good or evil, because even Adam being totally of God, being a spiritual being at that time, not being of anything else, that they were, they could commune with God and not the one that, that is walking in the other garden, because God is spirit. God isn't physical. That's where it says God is spirit. And so the Son is spirit. Right? That means that the spirit in you is God. Now, we can't see into that realm, but imagine you got Adam and Eve, totally one. They don't even know that the devil exists. They don't even know evil exists. And the only reason that they will know the difference between good or evil, he's not saying they'll know the difference between good or evil. He's basically saying, you will be good and evil. I will make you good and evil. That's precisely who we are today. So it's not about knowing the difference between good or evil because you really don't. 
You do know good and evil because you are both. That's what the twisted pair of serpents within your DNA and every single symbol go dating back literally 50,000 years is about. So that temptation was to be like him. And now if you read in the scriptures that it says Adam knew Eve and they had Abel, right? Or, um, or Abraham knew Sari. Whenever that mm-hmm. is said, knowing is sex. Right. Okay, so when it says that, the, that don't eat of that tree of knowing, that means don't go over there and sleep with that slime. Because that's what took place. When you read these ancient scriptures, when you read Enoch, then you kind of grasp what, what Genesis 6 states when it says, So the sons of God so loved the daughters of man that they came in under them and bore children, mm-hmm. men of renown, giants, right? The Nephilim mm-hmm. were on the earth in those days and thereafter. This was sex with this being. So this spiritual being could have sex with her and spawn a, a, a hybrid, which is basically us today. In fact, the fallen angels aren't even the ones that are evil in these ancient scriptures. It's their offspring. So the offspring of Adam and Eve became corrupt because they had good and evil in them and didn't know which to choose. They, it's amazing. And in the same vein that somebody else says, well, God gave us free will. The Father tells you to follow his will. What's free about that? So the mere fact mm-hmm. that we think that we have, that we get to make a decision to be good or evil is the lie as well. You don't. The decision is you want to be evil, you're going to stick around this place here in, in, in Satan's la-la land. You're going to repeat this over and over and over. This, is, this statement is, is why people will call me a Luciferian, because the Luciferian doctrines that run, run the Luciferians that run this planet, all of them, when you see these massive obelisks in every single major capital of every major powerful country in the world, those are the ten horns, folks. When it speaks mm-hmm. of the ten horns, yeah, otherwise, yeah, it, it's really important for China and their capital to have an obelisk the exact same size as the one in Washington, D.C., and how about the one in Japan? How about the one in Israel? How about the one in Rome? How about the one in, in Germany? How about the one in France? All of them, right? They, all over the world. So it, it's not like they, it's not because they like the same architecture. Right. This this is the type of thing. This is a Luciferian world. And for me to tell you how the world operates, I'm going to tell you the truths of the Luciferian doctrine because it is true. Satan does run this world, but I don't serve that guy. Right. If you understand the Luciferian doctrine, if you want to escape Lucifer's world, you need to defeat him. You need to deny him. You need to deny this world. The rulers of this world know this system very well. Well, because they work for him. That's why when I tell you that Satan owns this planet. He does. That's why he could offer it to Christ in the wilderness, because it's his to offer. He couldn't offer it if it was God's. If it were the Father's, he couldn't offer it. Father gave him dominion down here. This is his place. So that taking place, that same temptation that Jesus had, if you're the Son of God, is the same temptation he tempts you with. Is the same temptation that the church tempts you with every single time they tell you you can't be Christ, even though Christ told you you must be Christ. Even though Christ said that you that not only that he prayed that you would be exactly like him in fact he also said that you would do his works and even greater works so how could you do even greater works with than him if you weren't Christ and he demands that you be Christ so you need to attain the same spiritual office that he has and the way that they've sold the healing of people and the raising of the dead and opening the eyes of the blind that's happening before your very eyes right now 
We have different stages of people. They're so blind to things, but they kind of have some idea. They're not dead. They have an idea that things are going on. They'll acknowledge that the world is screwed up. They're just sleeping. And then there are those that look up in the sky. They don't see chemtrails. They don't think anything's evil. They think the president and every single person in this world has the greatest intentions, um, that they care about you, and that they, you know, that the fluoride in the water is for your teeth, and all of the things, right? They believe all of these lies. They're dead. Christ referred to them as being dead. Let the bed, dead bury their own dead. So these are things that opening the eyes of the blind and raising the dead, this is what would happen. And that people in that, in that, uh, during that time were cast out, and they're basically called lepers, right? There are different countries when people are such outcasts from an economic system. They're not part of the organized world. They're considered lepers, right? A leper is kind of a, a phrase to say you're just an outcast. So when he was healing leprosy, he's basically making these people feel new. They've been cast out, and he brought them, rose them up by explaining these, uh, these truths to them, and he made them feel new again. They felt like complete idiots. And he revived their spirits, and he raised them from the dead, and he opened their blind eyes to see to all of these truths. If they have made Christ literally an impossible myth to obtain, so you never, ever, ever achieve it. And they've done that through their lies and the manipulation, and the enemy has done that. So I hope that helps. Uh, tremendously, yes, yes. And and I have so much more, and, and I will feel guilty by taking too much time. But, oh, my gosh, yes, yes, I get it. Well, get well it. I'm going to do these shows often, so we'll be able to get to other questions. I want to make sure that I get to everybody's as, as I can. And I only made this show two hours. Um, Maybe the next one I can make for three hours, but I'll make sure that we have, and you, you can also, uh, and what I'll do is I'll start having kind of a, uh, a thing where you can email me questions for the, for the radio show. That way I can answer them, spend some time answering them, and then you can also call in with some additional questions. Lovely. Thank you. Thank All you. right. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Hey, 832-725, you're on the air. Hello? 832-725. Is that your phone number? Whoever can hear me. I don't know your name. I'm sorry. Hello. I don't. Hello. I'm just, uh, <laughs> hello. I'm just listening. I don't really have a question. Oh, you're just, oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, I'll go to the next one. That's okay. Uh-huh. 210-372. You're on the air. That's me. Hello. You? Yes, that's yes. you. <laughs> okay. Do you have a question? <clears throat> yes, I do. Um, is it common for uh, those of us who feel like they don't really know if they've died to this world, but feel that they may have? Does that make sense? I fully understand that. Um, you do? Yeah, there's... Because I'll yes, tell I... you real quick why I feel this way. Is because last year uh, I just got very sick after um, a surgery where they gave me the wrong medicine and all my organs started to say all this stuff. I won't go into that much detail, but I, uh, what is it, cold, blued <laughs> three times? And, um, yeah. okay. While I was sick, I remember talking to God all the time, all the time. And I was telling him that I was at peace and that if he wanted to take me, that was okay, and all that stuff. And then um, I had this dream, and it was about me being in, in a place like a beach, and it got really, really warm, and the dream wouldn't go away. It kept repeating and repeating itself. 
And then finally at the end, I could see my husband way off in the distance, and I reached my hand out to him, and I said, pull me, pull me. And he came to me, and I came too. And I want to know, because I was in a coma also for, it was a bad, bad situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that death? Was that uh, hell? What was that that I experienced? And uh, I've been seeking the Lord ever since before I started listening to you. And ever since I started, I haven't been able to stop. You're just fantastic. And I wanted you to know that, but I also wanted to know, is there any kind of in-between here where you think you're, you've died, but you really don't know if you have? Well, according to Scripture, um, there is – remember that the Bible itself is broken up into very short, even though unbelievably thorough. Who um, the, the writers were astonishing at taking a very large, long, detailed scenario and giving you just enough of it. For instance, Noah's Ark takes place in a few paragraphs. When you get into the ancient Sumerian texts of what Noah's Ark and everything took place, it's it's literally hundreds of pages. It's not a few paragraphs. You think about that, the destruction of the whole world and killing of everybody and the justification behind it and what took place. And There's a whole lot, and it's literally just a few paragraphs saying everybody was evil, all their thoughts was evil, but God found favor in Noah, and he saved the world through them, and he gathered the animals and put them on a boat. You know, it's it's just this – it's really kind of a – what I would call it is if you ever saw a PowerPoint today, there, it's just a bullet point. The Bible is literally bullet points. There's, there's not a lot of detail, and you get into it with these ancient texts, and you get these details. And in those details, um, what you find is that there, there, is, um, there is a place. But see, without getting into physics and helping you understand physics and quantum theory and all of these things, because these things are not only – science and quantum physics is no longer at a point where it's disproving God, where that used to be the scientist's agenda. Now it's proving God. It's proving the exi- It's proving all of the things that are in Scripture. It's not disproving it. And that's why, that's why they, they kind of understand that, that now they have their own Tower of Babel out there in the um, large uh, a particle collider, the Hadron Particle Collider in, in uh, Switzerland. CERN? So with, yes, CERN. So with that, in these scriptures, it speaks of these places, these plateaus in between. And in the word, it describes it as, you know, that there's a great chasm fixed between you and those in hell. You know, basically insinuating that those that are in, uh, uh, those that are in hell, that there is kind of this place in between, this chasm. And, and that's where people would call purgatory or something, or where you're waiting for judgment, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. um, but, and what that truly is, is that, um, you've got to you've got to understand that on this earth right now in this flesh, time and space, time only exists because we make it. We make it exist. Time doesn't exist. Just like Einstein said, is that um, everything in the past, the present, and the future all happens at one time. It's just one big event. We're the ones that put a clock to it, and so it's difficult for us to grasp this. But so your judgment would be. Um, it, in the final judgment of this world, according to all of the all of these scriptures, including the Bible, it's in there. People just they, they have to learn how to read these things. Is that your judgment isn't until the final judgment, the end of the age, that this is that there is a beginning time, um, a beginning time and an end time, and then it continues again. So if you saw the video that I made where I described the fish and the end of that age. 
That's where I we're did. approaching right. Yeah, that's where we're approaching right now. So let's say right. that you died. Let's say you died right now. According to these scriptures and according to the laws of physics and according to basically um, the the infinite universes that we live in, right? So that, that being a, whether you want to call it a computer simulation that we live in, whatever, all of the different theories, these are just different ways of saying that, 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 uh, that this takes place. So there is, a, there is one dimension, there is one uh, universe that we live in where you're talking to me right now. And, um, and then one universe where you're not talking to me right now, where I didn't pick up your call. And that would be the only difference in that universe, right? So these changes, that's where people look at the Mandela effect and things like that, that these tiny little changes that take place where you remember something and a large group of people remember something that took place. Like, for instance, in the Bible, the King James Version, it said, uh, we all know it or many of us know it as the lion would lay down with the lamb. And now if you read it, it doesn't say the lion and the lamb. doesn't matter what version you, you grab. It's the wolf lays down with the lamb. So that would be that there was a universe destroyed, and that was a change that was in that previous universe. We're seeing the collapse of these, of these universes, is that physics proves that there is infinite possibilities of the universe that we live in, and that your spirit, your soul, is trapped in this universe that is owned and run and operated by the enemy. And make oh, no mistake no. about it, if... <laughs> yeah, this is his. This is his domain. Well, I, I knew that. How do I get out of this? I mean, as well, far as my own that's experience. The whole, the whole point. So this is this is what I'm getting at. It's not a it's not a simple answer where I say go make a left on First Street and make a right and knock on the green door. Yes. It's not that mm-hmm. simple, right? So this denying yourself, denying this world, the rules around this, so to speak, is um, mm-hmm. that if you can't deny this world then you're doomed to stay here. If you love this world, then you're going to repeat this world. And let me help you. I think that this is probably important. This will help everybody. Let, let me help you understand between God and the enemy. Within Scripture, in the book of Job, you have God having a conversation with Satan. So clearly there's a relationship there, right? So God says, hey, Satan, mm-hmm. where have you been? And he says, oh, I've been up, going up and down on the earth. So there's a relationship there. Satan is used for a purpose. So he allowed him to fall. He allowed these things to take place. So the way that you have to look at this is if God wanted to have children and God is perfect, okay, he's all perfect. How would his children know that he was good? Because if I showed you a picture of a redwood tree right now, the size, the the sheer size of that, it's just a picture of the tree, it would just look like a tree to you. You wouldn't understand that it was this giant redwood unless I took you, a picture of you, and I put you standing next to that tree. Then all of a sudden, with that contrast, you would grasp the size, the sheer vastness of that tree. Well, that contrast is required for you to know something. In order for you to know the goodness of God, you have to have the inverse of him in absolute evil. And so God births births us here. We tend to believe in this world that this is life. But as Christ described, this isn't life. This is death. That's why a seed must go into the ground and die before it can grow into a tree and bear fruit. This isn't life. This, this suit dies. So the whole point of Adam and Eve is that we went from being that spiritual being in birth, in the spirit, and then put here so we know good from evil. 
That's that story. Now we see evil because we live it. And in order for us to be absent of that evil and know the goodness and the fullness of the Father, we have to deny that evil at all costs. And that evil is established in this flesh. Because if you're the child of the living God, if you're a child of God, like Scripture says, and he and you inherit what he has. So basically, he's got to leave you in charge of the kingdom for a little bit, so to speak. I'm just using this in, in direct terms. Mm-hmm. He's going to leave you in charge. He needs to know that you're like him. He needs to know that you will know exactly what he would do. He will not know that until you have come to him denying all evil, all of this place. And that only comes by denying everything that this world is. All the flesh, the flesh that you live in, demand that you live for me. Me, 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 I, I, I. That is all the flesh that we're trying to satisfy ourselves and that our ego, everything that we think, it gets established in us. And that we feel like that we need to have these ridiculous arguments and these fights. We're willing to fight to the death about the stupidest things. We're willing to be okay of justifying going and killing two million people for the sake of 3,000 lives that were lost. I mean, none of this makes any sense. None of it. It only makes sense when you're fully in this world and you've bought into it because mm-hmm. it makes sense to everybody. You're going with the crowd. It's, and then they think they're unique. You couldn't be more sheeple-like when you're going with everybody. When somebody says, oh, I got an iPhone, now I'm cool. You're cool yeah. because you, came, you became right. like everybody else? What's cool about it? What's unique about mm-hmm. that? Well, I have a this quick follow This is the sickness. Yes, Okay. Uh, when you experienced death to the world, where were you? Was that when you were in prison? That's kind of personal, but I would like to know. Uh, there is nothing personal. Um, uh, everything in Thank my you. life is, is, is an open book. Um, the death to the world kind of came before that. And these, oh, it's really? stages that that it feels like that I, I fully understand. It's as though your skin is being turned inside out because what's taking place is your spirit is taking the place of the flesh. So it's like turning you inside out and it's not a fun process. And so when you're dying to this world, when you just don't care, what I mean by that is you, you're not doing just little examples. You're not doing something. So people think something else. You're not trying to, to dictate their thought, right? Oh, we're trying to make an appearance so you appear good, right? Everything is about dying to their perception, all of it. You just are. And if they love you, they love you. And if they don't, it doesn't matter, right? It, it just it doesn't hit you impact. like a brick wall? Well, that started. But when I got to prison, actually, it was before prison. I had been basically oh, shot. Oh, when you, when you, when you got up. beat up? Yeah. So I was uh, laying in the basement of L.A. County Jail for about four days in a puddle of my own blood. And, um, and you know, the officers aren't allowed to come into the, you know, they don't come into the cell unless they're doing some searches or stuff. But this was, they had thrown me in, um, essentially in the hole. It was just, in, in, but worse, it was kind of like a closet, a concrete closet. And you didn't closet. have any a, access to medical care? Oh, they didn't. No, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Wow. Make no mistake about it. If, if people know what you know, knew what go on, goes on at that place. I mean, you know, Lee Baca and those there were charges, but the things that you witness inside there, riots, death, more drugs than you've ever seen in your life. They're everywhere. There's pills rolling on the floor, pharmaceuticals everywhere. It's the place is unbelievable. And um, but uh, and anybody from LA County will tell you that LA County makes prison look like a look like a a, a convent. Uh, it's uh, it was. 
absolute hell, but I'm laying in a puddle of my own blood. And um, it was quite a few days in and uh, I hadn't eaten any of the food. It was just, it's, it's terrible. And I was, I was really not, uh, I was not doing well. Uh, I felt like, I felt like I wanted to die. And that was basically what took place. I said, I'm finished. I'm done. And because I just, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even feel the floor. The floor was so cold for the first day and I was shivering so hard that it's like something took over. And all of a sudden I couldn't feel the coldness of the floor. I couldn't feel the warmth of my own skin. I couldn't even feel the dryness of my eyes because I couldn't blink anymore. I couldn't feel the dried blood in my hair. I couldn't feel anything. I literally had become dead, my skin, everything. All feeling had become dead, and I and I realized I'm physically dying here. And that's when I just gave in and said, "Fine, I'm done." And I kind of gave up to the world. And it was at that moment, and I mean literally at that moment, that the door opened, and an officer came in, and he bent down on his knees. And this is something that they don't do, and they don't touch you. So it was a rather um, remarkable experience that he laid his hand on my back very gently and he said this has to happen you know that don't you and the sound of his voice and the feeling of his hand I turned my head my eye was completely swollen I could barely see out of my left eye and I could barely see his face and he had this beautiful smile on his face and he said you've got to endure this has to happen and was I just, it an angel I was, or was it Christ? I do not know. I can't. I can tell you. I believe it's an angel. I believe something, somebody. It definitely wasn't an officer from LA County because they don't do uh, that. And um, right. it was truly astonishing to me. And from that point forward, it was as though I knew exactly what I had to do. It was then all of a sudden the the voice of the father became so calm. And so cool and said, endurance, patient endurance, learn. This is your time. This is, this is when I need you to find the things that I've shown you. And things became so crystal clear. And, and then one stage after the other became revealed to me. It was just a beautiful experience. And then from that point on, nothing was bad. Everything was planned. I could see it all taking place. Confirmation after confirmation, people talking to me. And, and, and Father would ask me to do things that you, know, that you just don't do in, in prison or in jail. And one example of that is, and um, he may have been listening, uh, there was a gentleman, an older, I'd say 45-year-old Azteca gangbanger, yeah, gangbanger. Um, uh-huh. you know, uh, had Aztec tattoos all over just a, and just as hard as you get. And, um, I won't say his name. I don't want to embarrass him or anything, but he was pretty hard and he was facing life. And I didn't know him at all. All I know is that I saw him walk by and I saw the hardness on his face and his posture and everything. And the, the dorm had just gone through a riot and there was, you know, three critically injured and some dead people. It was awful. And so it's not, this isn't a place that you really have conversations and you certainly don't do it with other races. And the father said, I want you. And he was in the shower and races shower, you know, kind of shower time. You don't go into the shower with another race. 
and uh-huh. you don't go into the shower with your clothes on either. And um, so the father said to me, as crystal clear, I want you to go lay your hand on him and pray for him and let him know I have a word for him. Let him know I'm going to give him what he's asking me for. And and here I am looking at this guy just going to the shower, and I was like, I was like, Father, you, you have got to be crazy. You want me to walk into a shower and put my hand on that hard dude in a shower? I'm going to get killed. I was like, you're trying to get me killed? I mean, this is the kind of thing. And so I do it, and I would have gotten beat up by going in there. So I just go, you know, hey, I'll just go in and shower next to him and you know, so I go in there and here I'm naked and I reach over and I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, the father wants me to tell you that what you've been asking him for, he's going to grant. Oh he God. looked at me. He looked at me like I was a dead man. The look on his face and how he looked down <sighs> at my hand touching his shoulder was like, I'm going to kill you in so many ways. And I just said, Hear me. The father says he's going to give you what you've asked him for. I don't know what it is, but he told me to tell you. I wouldn't have put my hand on your shoulder had he not told me that. And he didn't say two words to me. Not two words. I find out that he goes to court the next day facing life for something he didn't do. He had done a lot of bad stuff in his life before. But he had new kids And he was trying to live a good life, but because he had a past criminal record, they wrapped him up on something that he didn't do. And he was like, Father, you gave me all his prayer. I didn't find out until I actually went to prison literally a year later. But he went to court, and the judge looked at him when he walked in, and he goes, why do I even have this case in front of me? And he goes, circumstantial evidence, and he goes through this whole thing, and then he admonishes the DNA DNA evidence that they had and the DA – takes that out, throws that out. He goes, this doesn't even match up. You're literally putting this guy through the ringer. How long has he been in? Admonishes the DA, admonishes the the jail, and lets him go. That's what he was praying for. Oh, my goodness. I don't get to deny the things that he's asked me to do. When he tells me to do something, I do it. And that's amazing, no matter how crazy it is, that he says to me, when, when that happens, he goes, that's why I love you, because you don't hesitate. You do exactly what I ask you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what's required of all of us. That is dying to the world. You don't, you, you don't do that if you're alive to the world, because you won't be alive in this world very long, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's how that took place, and those are the types of things. And I mean hundreds and hundreds of those scenarios that – going up and walking and walking the yard with, with inmates like by the, by the dozens would be waiting outside my dorm, waiting to come out and follow and hear the things that I had to say. And I can tell you this about prisoners. Here's the difference between prisoners, that there's a time coming upon this earth where people are going to be trying to break into prisons to be safe. So I would be careful at who anybody thinks that these people are because they're persecuted for a reason because the enemy knows who they are inside even though they might not know it yet. But here's one thing you do not find in prison. You don't find anybody lukewarm. Everybody's got a book. Everybody's got a Bible or they got their Odinist or they got their Satanic Bible, whatever, but they are on fire for whatever it is that they're studying. There is no lukewarm. (laughs) And I met them all. I understood all of their own religions. I could teach a guy out of the Quran the same truth that I'm teaching you out of the Bible because the truths exist all over the place. And I would tell them in their Quran exactly where they were being deceived in the same way that those are in the Bible. 
So this this is this is not a religion for me. Religion is man's. The first right. religion of this world is Satanism, period. Before that, you didn't need one, right? So this is why I do what I do because the evidence I don't I don't talk about things that I believe in. Somebody wants to say, "Oh, you have a belief." I don't. These are things that I know. The evidence that's been put before me and confirmed over and over and shown to me, it defies a belief anymore. That's why faith isn't blind. Faith isn't something that you conjure up. Faith is a gift when the evidence is granted to you. You just have it now. And once you know it, nobody's going to alter it. That's why somebody wants to argue my points like they're going to convince me differently of something that I know. They're just not. I appreciate you calling. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. And and God bless you. And just uh, you've been really blessed. Uh, I I feel so. I I I have no complaints. Doesn't matter how bad things are ever. I have no complaints. So I feel blessed. I feel blessed to that even to have the conversation with you. Thank you so much. Yes. Take another call here. I'm going to be picking up nine zero four two three five nine zero four two three five. You're live. Hello. Hello. Nine zero four nine. Yes, yes. I'm talking to you. Hi. What? Hi. Um, what's your name? Derek. This is Vanessa Lamar Serrano. We actually spoke about a week. We did about a, about a week ago. I, Vanessa with I, your mom, correct? Yes. Um, oh. With my mom. Well, through the transition of my mother passing, I yes, not called yes. because I have a question. I'm actually yes. calling because I have a comment to make. Um, okay. I am so much at peace thanks to you and oh. the peace that you projected onto me and my family. And I just wanted everybody to know that you are truly, truly a blessing to my entire family while oh, I'm I love there, that. every everybody noticed the change of the Vanessa I used to be to the mm-hmm. Vanessa that I am today thanks yeah. to you I don't look at you as a teacher because I know you don't like that I look yeah. at you as a brother because yes. I Little by little, me and my husband and those closer to me, um, helping them take that uh, blindfold um, off their eyes to see the reality of this world. And I am so proud that I have you as a brother and me and my husband are praying daily so we can make it to the gathering because I have to meet you in person one way or another. Oh, well, and Vanessa, I appreciate, I just, I appreciate you calling so much. I, I, I just, I had, I felt like I had to, I just finished watching your video of today and I've been, even though I was in Puerto Rico, I arrived back home yesterday. My husband took, 
um, the time to send me your videos, and I watched them over there. And uh-huh. every every time I spoke to anybody, I would direct them to you and let not only direct them to you, but let them know how you made me feel. And I am That's the important so. Part. I'm so I'm so grateful for you because I know the Bible. I've studied the Bible. I've gone to many different uh, churches and religions, but getting to know you and getting to study what you're teaching us or showing us the way has really, really touched my heart. And I know that when you wrote to me um, after my mother's passing, I, 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 dropped, I dropped my phone and I literally started crying because it really touched me. And I just wanted to openly let everybody know how you made me feel at that moment and the peace that I felt at that moment. And that to me really, really touched my heart, and I will be following you until my last breath, because you have sort of um, digested the word of our Father to make it so we can understand it to, to a maximum point that I am able to say I'm at peace even though I just physically lost my mother. But I'm happy because even though she's not physically here with me, I know that she's with the father. And I know that she's looking down on us and blessing us every single day. Yeah, I I recall... I was so happy to be able to talk to you that day. And it was, it was like yeah. the next day, right. That she had passed. And yeah. um, I, yeah. I wanted to, you know, I was so happy to be able to have that conversation with, with all of you because it, um, that is the, that is the moment where you can actually recognize when there is a change is that, you know, we, we create this perception in our mind of these changes and in, in us, but because you were at that moment right then and there, and being with your mom, knowing that she's passing, to me was so important to be able to grasp and to help you grasp those things and to and to be a part of that. I I can't thank you enough, Vanessa, for allowing me to even be a part of that because that that oh, spoke to me so much. Trust me, that I you mean, would invite me to you, be a part you of are, that moment you are of your part life. of us now, and that's how that's why I dare to call you my brother, and my husband calls you his brother because. You have you have brought us that piece that we were missing, that we were searching for in the wrong place. And honestly, I was even able when we um we did a uh, my mother didn't want to be have a funeral and anything. She wanted to be cremated, and we placed her with her mom because three weeks prior to my mom's passing, my uncle. Had had suddenly passed. He wasn't he wasn't sick or anything. He just unexpectedly passed. And we were gonna just do his and then with my mom's passing we 
took advantage and did both of them. And I was able to sing in front of the whole, everybody that was there, um, friends of my mom, uh, friends of the family, friends of years of our family. And I am not a singer, (laughs) not even in the Uh shower, but I (laughs) felt that peace that I was able to sing and I sang to her, I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. Um, Because even though she didn't understand that song, it meant a lot to her because I used to sing that song to my baby girl when she was in the NICU. And um, I felt that peace. I felt honestly like you were just holding my hand right there with me. And I just wanted Uh, to thank you and ask God to keep blessing you so you can continue to help us to take these these bandage that we have in our eyes and separate us from this earth that we don't belong to and work in to getting into our more spiritual road um, because we definitely don't want to belong to this earth anymore. We want, we want to be able to move on and be with the father. And you have helped us so much that I just, I want everybody to know the blessing that you brought to me and that this blessing can be achieved by anybody that's listening they only need mm-hmm. to reach out and do um, what you are asked to do to show us, to, 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 to give us that clue for us to continue to learn. And I know that this is the way that God is going to be saving a lot of us. So yeah. I look so much forward to, look, to, to meeting you in person because when you Likewise. see this crazy lady, this crazy lady running to you and just hugging you, that's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably you. Well, Vanessa, I I love I I love you so much. I'm so happy that you called and and know that um, you know the the things I'm speaking. I, I understand I, because I know you. You know we spoke. You know because we spoke on the phone and uh, during that time that mm-hmm. I know that when you say that you know I brought this uh, the only thing that I do, it's kind of like the way that I look at this is that I never take anything for, you know, upon myself, that it's not me bringing this thing that, that I, I'm kind of the carrier. I, I just bring the basket, the basket of gold. You know, I, I, I deliver it. The gold isn't me. I'm not the gold. I just deliver it. And I'm so thankful to be the one to be able to deliver it that it's just, I, I marvel at it every single day. I just, I, I, I ask the question almost every single day. I go, father, why me? And his response every time is, "If if not you, then who?" And I exactly. and I can't answer and I can't answer the question. I'm like, I don't I don't know. And he goes, "Well, that's why. If not you, then exactly. who?" Exactly. So that's that's and why. So I'm, yeah. And so, you know, I, I just love that uh, you become the confirmation to me that that he's real because I can't change you that way. That's not oh, me. I is- can't. He I is definitely he real. Yes. He so. he's definitely real because when I 
when I look at your videos, when I hear your voice, when I hear the words that come out of you, my heart just wants to come out of my chest. And I know that that's nothing but the Holy Spirit working within me. And I am just so thankful that God placed me in a place where I can hear your voice. I can hear his message through his through your through your voice, through your experiences. And I'm just grateful that I am I can be called your sister because I I I love you. You are my brother and I just wanted I everybody everybody to know that this is real people. This is real. Just listen. Just take that bandage off your eyes and just listen to what your heart tells you and God will work on you. He will make it happen. He will make it happen. No matter how hard your road seems to be, he will make it happen. He will make it happen because if he did it with me, he can do it with you. He can do it with anybody. I love you, Vanessa. Thank you so much for calling and saying that. I appreciate I you so much. I love you, and we'll, too, and I look forward we'll, to more videos from you. Yes, and we'll see each other soon, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Give, your best okay, to the, sure. give my best to the rest of the family, okay? Of course. My husband is okay. here crying and listening <laughs> to you. <laughs> 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 but Tell thank you so him. much and continue to okay. be blessed, brother. Oh, you you too. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, what an awesome lady. I tell you that the the conversation that um uh that I was able to have with her uh the the fact that I was invited into that moment um where they just needed to understand what was happening. The mere fact that I was invited into that, it was just truly remarkable to me. And I'm so thankful that, um, that I could be there for them and with that, because it was very special. And I, you know, I don't want to share too much because that's, you know, the conversations that I have with anybody, be it any, anything, it doesn't matter whether it is, I, I'm not into, uh, public uh, display of, you know, showing the conversation that I had in the same way that I'm not into, you know, public shaming of somebody. There's nothing. To, uh, so I don't, I don't talk about the conversations that I have and use them as a testimony because those are private conversations and and these are their lives and I honor that and respect their their individual life. So for her to call and to bring that uh, to your attention, I just I'm so blessed by them and I love them very much. Thank you again. Um, I'm going to go to, uh, let me see here. Uh, there is a phone number, 417-344. I'm going to put you on. 417-344. Hello. 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 Yeah. Yes. Okay. I can hear you fine. Um, I have a lot of questions, but I'm just going to boil it down to one. Um, I'm going to be real direct here. I'm a drug addict, okay? Um, okay. But I'm hearing you, and I'm, I'm hearing Father. And First of all, I want to say thank you for your sacrifice to help all of us, okay, because mm-hmm. you have really sacrificed that and a lot, and um, I'm grateful for your help. Um, second of all, 
I, I, I'm definitely dying. I, um, I've lost all three of my children in life, and it wasn't for drug use. I didn't start using until after that, okay? Um, they, they've taken my kids. Every man I've ever loved is gone dead. Um, my family disowned me over religion. I wouldn't conform to be a Jehovah's Witness. I wouldn't conform to any religion. And I, I'm, I'm left alone all of a sudden in my home. And, and I, I'm wondering, you know, I have this overwhelming specter feeling that maybe I should give up my home. And when you say die to this world, I know you've touched this already, but does that mean we give up our homes, we give up everything, and we just live by the faith that he's going to put a roof over our head that night? And Or, or do we stay where we're at and just let things happen as it happens? Everything for every single person, everything is everybody has a different position within the body. Um, so when uh, the only thing that I'll always point you back to is going to be to scripture. Nobody, um, it it didn't say. I mean, for the most part, they had a different situation within Acts and the formation of the church. And if if that's what's going to happen, that'll happen. There will be a formation of that later on. But. As far as what we're supposed to do, the world, there, the Father isn't going to ask you to go live in a box. Um, okay. If if you have a home, right? He's not going to say, "I want you to go live in a box." But that doesn't mean that if that isn't what he calls somebody else to do. So the the difference is is that you'll know like what what he's calling you to do. What what is dragging you down? And and I could probably best articulate it this way: is that when Christ said that. Um, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? If your right eye causes you to sin, carve it out before it's better for you to lose that eye than to lose everything in hell, right? So that's an explanation as to what are the things in your life that is holding you from being completely at one with the Father? What are those things? If it's your home, if it's the stress of paying that mortgage, of that you're, you're literally working your guts, you've become a slave to the mortgage of that house – and and you look around and you're like, why do I even need these walls? Why do I need 1,200 square feet or 2,000 square feet or any of it? Why do I need that? Why can't I live in a trailer, right? So right. Elim- eliminating the things that keep you from being free. The Father wants you to – the only way you can be free of this world is to abandon its systems. So if your house is an anchor, I won't tell you leave your house. I'll tell you whatever you have that is an anchor to this world that keeps you from being close to the Father, that's what he was talking about. Those are the things that the Father will say, get rid of that. Everything okay. that I had in my life was an anchor. Everything. And I don't even mean – and even that's why he even says you can't even be with your family yet until you know how to be with them. So that's why he says, if you're not willing to leave mother and father and family, you're not worthy of me. You've got to be literally ready to leave anything that prevents you from being with him. Because otherwise, if you can't be with him, then what's your point? Right? So right. That, that, that we think that we're attached. If this is this evil matrix, right? You're already my sister. We are already family. We already have a father. We are already family. These families that we have, we've put so much value in this worldly standard of what it is. Be, you know, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, all of these things that are told, this is literally multiply what? Multiply it to slavery? You think that's the father that loves you? Father doesn't want you in slavery. He's created this and allowed this to happen so you can flee from this slavery and finally be with him. 
this illusion of these things. I'm not worried about losing a family member on this world because I know that this is fake and I know that they're my brothers and sisters forever. Forget about them being my kids or my mom or my brother. I'm their family for eternity, right? right. They are my family already. What, why, why am I making this such this temporary existence, you know, this mere 75 years out of, out of the scope of time of eternity so important? What made this tiny little blip important? The only thing that makes it important is how corrupt it can corrupt your soul and prevent you from being with the Father. That's the only thing that is important, that this place can corrupt your soul. It doesn't matter how fake it is. The even in the perception can corrupt your soul. That's why Christ said it's not what goes into your mouth that corrupts you. It's what comes out. Your actions, your consciousness is what's going to bear against you. You will judge yourself. Father says he judges no one. He's reserved that judgment for the son. That's you. You're your own testimony against yourself. So you dying to all of the guilt, that's not, a, that's not of the father. That's the enemy. He's the accuser. You dying to all of those things, forgiving yourself and repenting fully with a humble and contrite heart. Just like the introduction said, the calling of the Son of Man is precisely as that introduction stated. That's why I have that there. That, that once you actually understand your unworthy stature and you know who the Father is, he told me, he said, Derek, you won't uh, be thrown into the lake of fire like you've been taught. You'll jump because when you know who I am, when you know how much pain I'm enduring by what you're going through and everybody else is going through, you're never going to bring your misery and the things that you hold against yourself to me and by my side. So I'm the one that prevents myself from coming to him because I hold those things against myself. And when he promises you forgiveness, that's a promise. He's already granted it. You have to forgive yourself and you can't forgive yourself. Until you've forgiven everybody else too because we, we inherently judge somebody else based on what we know of ourselves. So when you look at somebody and you call her, a, call her a name or something because she thinks she's so good, right? You're literally judging yourself because we only can see and recognize things in someone else that we know personally ourselves. We deny it that it's ours. But it's literally us. We are projecting onto them. With, like I, I, I use the example when somebody says, you think you're so great. And I go, no, you think that you're great. And that's what you would do if you were in my position. You would be thinking you're awesome. So you project that onto me. And that's the wrong judgment. That's why Christ said, do not judge by appearances. Judge rightly. What I put in that video today, judge rightly. Judge by knowing that you're analyzing yourself. When you judge somebody else, you're judging yourself. That's precisely what that scripture means. So when you're looking at these things, all of the things that keep you from the Father, that's what need to go. And if, that, and if, and if you end up in a box and find the Father, let me tell you something. That box is awfully good. I've explained that my entire experience going through jail and prison and beatings and everything else that went with it, um, that experience is like if I fell from the top of a mountain and tumbled down and loosened the boulders as I fell down the mountain, and I got to the bottom and the rocks piled on top of me and hit me, and I was bleeding in the pile of my blood there, and I look over at the bottom of that mountain and find the treasure I've been searching for my whole life. The fall, the rocks, the blood, the pain is all now beautiful because it was required for me to find that treasure. 
And so if, if finding the father puts you in a box, you'll lay in that box and be so happy for that box because it represents what it took to actually be free. I hope that helps. Hello? Did I lose you? I think I lost you. Okay, I'm going to go to another caller. Hopefully that helped. I, I, it looks like I lost you on there, but I'm going to see if I can get somebody else. So uh, area code 920-279. Hello? Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, my name is Lydia. Um, I'm calling to ask in the event that the enemy is intending to place blame. Can you can you turn down your can you turn down your your computer? I can hear myself talking back through the speaker. Can you turn that down so I can hear you? Yes. Okay. Uh, in the awesome. event now, that the enemy. What was your name? Lydia. Lydia. Okay. Hi, Lydia. In the event that the enemy is intending to place blame on someone, is it? their responsibility to take blame in the father's name for that set event. And if that person cannot prove that they did it because they didn't, but they're still taking the blame. Um, also, can you elaborate on how someone gets up on their cross in the digital age? Because I'm concerned about that. How someone gets on their cross in the digital age. Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, let me address the first. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't following completely that there is somebody that is taking the blame for somebody else. Correct. So, so in the yeah. event that the enemy is intending to place blame on you, um, do you in the would you take that blame if you can't prove that you cause are the reason it actually happened? Well, let me let me get a little bit more clarification on the on the situation, but. Let me explain this is that um, people project things on people. So let me start by this. If, if I came to you and I said, or let's say somebody comes to me and they say, you hurt my feelings. Um, I'll say, okay. I'm sorry. Right. Even though I don't even know how I hurt their feelings, it doesn't matter how their feelings were hurt. Even if I'm not guilty of hurting their feelings, even if I didn't intend to, so this is where you get to analyze and you get to visualize and understand how our awful egos and the self function. And then we'll go into the rest of that. So just follow me here for a minute. Is that if somebody comes to me and they say, if they said, uh, you know, hey, uh, you, your foot is on my throat. I'm choking. Am I going to stand there and argue with them because I can't feel that my foot's standing on his throat? I didn't mean to stand on his throat. I didn't intentionally stand on his throat. Am I going to stand there and go, no, it's not. I didn't mean to put my foot on your throat. Or am I just going to lift my foot and go, oh, dude, I'm sorry. Right? So this is this thing where we, we're in this debt system, this debt world, this, where we place debt on people and arguments about who's right and who's wrong. Like you're going to lose something if you lose the argument. If you lose an argument, what did you really lose? If you gave up on the argument and walked away from it, what did you really lose or did you gain by getting away from the hate of it? We have everything is upside down that we seem to think that we have something to gain by winning an argument. It is the most nonsensical thing that takes place in our mind that when we have an argument, all we're doing is we're having that argument or we're blaming somebody and trying to justify it to build up a false sense of security within ourselves. All of this is false. 
it's all a paper tiger and all of it comes crumbling down. So if somebody is accused, like somebody said to me, how do I forgive somebody if they won't even admit that they were wrong? It has nothing to do with them. You forgiving them doesn't have to. You're not granting them a gift. You're granting yourself the gift of forgiveness. You're forgiving them so you can be forgiven. You can't think about things about somebody else. you got to think about what you're doing because you've been asked to do it. You, when you forgive them, it doesn't matter whether they meant to. It doesn't matter whether they uh, intended to or caused it or haven't admitted it. It doesn't matter. And in fact, even more so that if you forgive them and they know they're guilty but they haven't admitted it, and you go, you know what, I forgive you completely. Don't worry. I love you. I forgive you. I, I'm sorry that, you know, um, that that ever happened. And please seek, you know, please allow me to be forgiven. Will you forgive me for maybe if I helped cause it? Even if you didn't, it doesn't matter. Try to cover all the bases. What you're trying to do is you're trying to mend that hole in the ground. And that person, if they know that they were guilty and you are humbled yourself and they know that they that they did it, they're going to know that you're taking credit and blame and asking forgiveness for something you weren't even involved in, boy, that's not going to be very easy for them to get past. And they're eventually either going to come to you and seek forgiveness and then admit to it so you can help them draw the truth out of themselves and help them seek forgiveness for themselves by that action. These things, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So it's if you want them to react that way, then you have to react in the way that I'm describing. So you're not losing or gaining anything in those situations unless you're seeking forgiveness, and then you're gaining your own freedom. So it, it really doesn't matter what you who's to blame and somebody's putting that at you. Somebody wants to blame me for something, fine. I'll take the heat. What, I haven't before? It's not like I don't have things against me because I can handle it. If I can handle it, I'll carry that cross. It doesn't matter. That's what carrying the cross for someone else is, taking it on their behalf, carrying it for them. Okay. I hope that helps. You, all right? That does. That Thank, does you. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate the call. No problem. So I'm going to go to 909-327. 909-327. Hello, Derek. This is Hello. Me. How are yes. you? I'm okay. Nancy Smith. (laughs) I bug you a lot. I'm all right. Um, I had put a post on um, Facebook group, and a lot of people didn't catch it when it was on the CIC. Are you still wanting to do your little birthday camp meet, the 11th through the 14th, or is it just going to be the gathering? it's basically what I'm what I'm putting together there is a smaller group of people that okay. uh, and I'm it, it's a smaller this is not I'm not it's not like a one you know hey everybody come it's it's a smaller group of people that feel led to be a part and uh and to that have have really kind of already died to themselves that are fully ready to be done with everything um, and oh, boy. <laughs> this will be this yeah this, this will be a, a an experience where it's we're not going to be you know yes it's going to be in a place where hopefully we'll have some bathrooms but it's it's not going to be um it's not going to be a luxurious hotel or anything this isn't a conference oh. uh, those are over oh, for that, me. that's 
That's fine, Derek. I'm I'm ex-military. I don't mind bivouacking at all. I oh, mean, good. I was just wanting to know if you were still going to have it because that is Mother's Day weekend too, and. So I've already talked to my son and daughter-in-law, and you know that's going to be my Mother's Day present. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, oh, I I need to take this one step further. I have, I mean, I have unconditional love for everyone. I don't put any judgment. I don't blame anyone. No guilt. I'm who I am, and you know, I think that's what we all need to do is just forget who we used to be and just love. Period. Yeah. Yes. No, ma- no matter it what, is. just just love. It doesn't matter who you are, your orientation, your color, your creed. Just love each other. And when yes. when that happens, then that's going to be paradise. And that's what I'm waiting on. <laughs> I am yeah, so well, tired of this world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am so tired of really, this world. And, and that's really what, what this little gathering is about. And people... That because here's the one thing I know I know what it takes to to really um, I I've been there I know what it takes to die to yourself and there might be some uh, there's a couple people that I've spoken to I'm kind of talking to each person individually and finding out who's who and 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 grabbing the right folks because um, the the refinement process think about it as a you know everybody's seen the Karate Kid right. Where the yeah. the sensei puts the Karate Kid through the exercise, the you know wax on, wax off, and and the disciplinary of yeah. that. Sometimes there's sometimes people do need an exterior person to put them through a pace, so they can yeah. be look. They, the, I I got my butt beat by the cops, which helped me go that distance. I'm not saying that I'm going to beat anybody's butt, but I can tell you that if somebody <laughs> if somebody comes and they're humble and they want and they want to be. Um, they want things to be laid on the line. Um, that's something that I can't do in a video. I can't do on a radio show. That's something face to face where I could take somebody for a walk. You know, there's some scriptures in the Nagamati where they were speaking of uh, of some of the apostles and some of the apostles writing. And they're talking about where Christ would take them separately and he would take them by yeah. themselves and they would come back and they would say, well, what did he say to you? What did he say to you? And he would basically say, um, he said, uh, if I told you, these rocks from the mountain would strike you dead with lightning, right? So basically, he he went and got refined by Christ. So, you know, when, when somebody is so of themselves, sometimes it takes somebody to be in their face and to drive them down to humility to such a degree that they call they, they call no joy and say, okay, I quit, right? It's, it's a yeah. – you have to surrender – and that only happens sometimes psychologically through just a landslide of truth about your own selfishness. So if there's somebody that wants that kind of refinement, um, I've been through it, so I can put you through it, right? I'm a okay. I'm the most lo- I'm the most loving guy in the world. I I would much rather be loving and enjoy myself. But if you come and you want some fire, I'll bring it. Uh, right, and sometimes that's required to refine you. Yeah, it is. I've, but, uh, I've went through the fire a number of times. <laughs> well, Nancy, that, that, but I really want this, um, you know, I want this event to be what the Father has shown me, which is primarily being having the escape for even a short period of time. It's kind of like sweet the, the sweet taste of paradise, understanding what it is like to be around just fellowship of love 
and discovering these things without the elements of ego, without the elements of I disagree or I agree. It's just understanding what that is. And sometimes, you know, that takes a little bit of gelling, and that's why it's, you know, over the course of a couple of days. But it's also, that's why it's outside, and that's why it's kind of living a little bit rough, where you're not going to be worried about whether you're dusty or dirty or whatever, none of that, right? So it's a, just a really getting back to basics and loving each other in a place that just, we, we just pick. You know, and, yes. and that's going to be that's going to be a beautiful little uh, little gathering, and I just uh, I love it, and and I and I believe that I'm I'm led to do that because um, Father always has surprises for me, and I I put that out there because he said do that, and so I think that I'm intended to meet some of you that are going to come because you feel led to come, and that doesn't come from nowhere. Right. Right. That's me. I mean, I'm the one that's coming out on the bus. <laughs> so you'll remember the email. I won't say anything further. But, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I'm really hoping to be able to be there. Uh, we can go for a walk as long as you don't mind me using my walker to get around. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it wasn't so bad, I would cry. But I have learned that I need to laugh at least once a day or make someone else laugh. And if I can do that, yeah. then I've done my job. So thank you, Derek, yes. for doing yours. And I look forward to seeing you on your birthday. And you oh, take care. Oh, thank you so much, Nancy. You too. Love you very much. I'll see you soon. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I Thank Nancy. Oh, I love her. She's a doll. I chat with her quite often online. Uh, I'm going to go to, uh, let me see which one's been on hold here the longest. Uh, I'm going to go to, uh, there's a lot of calls here. So I'm going to go to 425321, 425321, Seattle area. Hello, Seattle Hi, area. Hey, who is this? This is Mark. Hi, I've been, I've been following you pretty much since you came unmasked, and I'm one of your biggest supporters, and I just wanted to say I wrote down something. Just a couple of quick questions. <clears throat> Okay. I just, sure. want to say thank you, brother. I just want to say thank you, brother, for helping me and, uh, and others like me. And, oh, um, of course, have, Mark. Thank you. And I have a couple of questions. The first yeah. one is, is it a sin to be with someone other than your wife or husband before getting a divorce if you're not happy? Um, let's, let's go to, let's look at what is law and what isn't when the whole point of what Christ was demonstrating is that man had taken over laws, right? So um, I can't answer your question directly. Like I've said in the video today that I'm going to show you scripture and then you'll be able to determine what I'm talking about, because this is in there that we have sacrificed the institution of the father where they say, you've got to go to that church to be married, or you've got to get a certificate from the state to be married. Marriage is God. That's the father's, right? So why have we sacrificed that institution and given it to these organizations and to other men? Those are control mechanisms. It's ridiculous that a woman or a man will sit and go, I can't wait till my divorce is final so I can finally move on with life. What do you not understand about hating each other about divorce? You already were divorced. You were married when you fell in love and you consummated that love during sex, 
all of the things within the Bible about these things are about the institution of granting these institutions to man, this that man controls. For instance, the betrothal process from, from the Jews. The betrothal process was you can date. You've got a date for a year, and you can't have sex. Like basically, they made up the rules to determine whether you were in love or not. And they made it up kind of a one-size-fits-all. If, if you do this, well, then you really love her. What a joke. None of that has anything to do with the father. I mean, really, we've, we've literally sacrificed the institutions, all of them, all institutions of the father. We've sacrificed them to these organizations that are essentially monetary slave systems. So with that said, if, you're, if you hate somebody, you're divorced. If you don't love them anymore, you are divorced. You don't need a court. Some unknown guy, some judge sitting up on a bench that's going to put a, a stamp on a piece of paper all of a sudden is going to make it legal for you? So no, that's, that's all laid out in the scriptures. Who married, you, who, married the first, who married the first couple in the world? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God married them. Really... The, the church doesn't. Yeah. So uh, I, I appreciate that question because I think that's a really important uh, thing for people to, to look at and understand. And also just to grasp how much we've relinquished to these organizations because they want to stand over top of you and call themselves God because that's what they do. That's what Luciferians do. Yes. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. And I actually kind of figured you were going to answer that, but I just wanted to verify it. Here's the question yes, that I, I, really, I haven't heard anything mentioned about this, and so I'm going to go ahead and ask you what it is. Um, what, okay. what are your thoughts on fasting? What what are my thoughts about acting? Fasting, like not eating for three days. Oh, fasting. Um, see, I'll, I'll tell you about fasting. Um, fasting kind of for me takes place naturally. Um, there's different aspects of fasting. Going through the scriptures and a number of it, there's um, they're not giving you the explanations to justify. So the church and others make it so that. Um, uh, that you're you're doing this as kind of a commandment from them, yet another control mechanism. Uh, but Christ was talking about you fasting and and not shriveling up your face and showing how hungry you are because it becomes part of you broadcasting to everybody. I look how righteous I am and what a what a wonderfully religious person I am and how much I love God because I'm starving so much that that you don't show it. It's kind of like also giving with your right hand and not letting your left hand know what it's doing, that nobody should even know that you're fasting. It's not even an equation. But fasting actually has a, a physical, spiritual component to it. So when you fast, yeah, when you fast, there is something that takes place in your body. And there's just a couple of the things that I will mention is that, that you have this urge. The flesh has an urge to eat, right? And, and we don't realize how much of these urges to eat these calls for hunger aren't even real. They are established by different chemical dependencies, sugars, all sorts of stuff in our body that we have this call to eat something even when we're not even hungry. And this is where, you know, Christ hadn't eaten for a while in the statement and they came to him and said, you need to eat. And he says, I have food that you're not aware of. He's talking about the spiritual feeding that he's getting from, from the father as he's receiving these things and he's in communion with the father. You don't even think about eating and your body isn't going, I'm starving. So you kind of realize at that point that, that the, even the urge for hunger to a degree that probably 90% of it is all a lie too. 
So it's this it's a it's a mechanism where you begin to wake up inside your body physically what is a lie and what is real. And then what you also need, not only that, aside from that, you've got the detoxification aspects of it. You have the clarity of the mind that you don't have the sugars and the things that would block block your um, your spinal cord and the things that give you the ability to think clearly and be spiritual. You've got to be able to use your mind. For, for somebody that is Christian and to discount and go, oh, all that kundalini crap is nothing. Oh, let me tell you something. It's not nothing. There's a whole lot to this makeup of this system because the one thing that the Father did is give you the ability to communicate with him. He gave you the ability to commune with him. He gave you the ability to communicate and, co- and commune with your brothers and sisters without even audibly doing it. That is a consciousness state that when you begin to be in that spirit, you see that taking place now that as people get connected to these truths, that I'll be speaking about things that they were just thinking about last night. They're like, wow, I was just praying about that and you spoke about it. That's not just one instance. That's many. So this thing, this is like all of us becoming connected and understanding because we all have one mind and one accord. That's what the book of Acts speaks of, that you become to to come into this to the Christ consciousness of the Spirit of Christ, which is for everybody. It's not for a single man that's going to return. It is ours. That is the body. That's the return of the Son of Man that flashes in the east, that, that strikes in the east and flashes in the west. Big, wide. That's all of us. So fasting has a big part of that. And it's getting used to denying the body, the things that the body, so you begin becoming familiar with this flesh and how it acts and asks for things and demands things that it just doesn't need. So that's, that's where fasting comes from. Yeah, I hope that you, helps. Derek, yes, it does. Thank you very much. And um, I love you. I just want you to know that. I love you too. All right. Okay. Are you, Thank are you, you up in Seattle area right now? Yes. Yes. How's the weather? Rainy. <laughs> You know, like yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I do I want to come to Arizona. I just want to let you. I, I wanted to come to Arizona, but I I have I have to make some money first, you know. So I will I will not promise, but it, hopefully soon. All right. Okay. I love you, Mark. You take okay. care of yourself. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Thank you, Derek. All right. Bye. God bless you. So I'm going to go to uh, on hold. I've only got 18 minutes left in the show, so I'm going to go to uh, 810-712. Uh, but before I do that, let me just ask, and you guys can uh, can respond in chat because I can see chat. Um, is the question and answer is this helping? If are you getting? Is, is this a format that you like? Because I'm going to probably try to do two or three of these shows per week, and that way the things that you see in the video that you can gather questions and things that it conjures up within your mind or, you know, other scriptures that you have interest in that you can bring up. And so if, um, uh, if uh, somebody's asking for physical copies, are there physical copies of this stuff? I, I haven't made them, but it shouldn't be too difficult. If you have a DVD burner or uh, something like that, um, you can burn them yourself. If you need them, I do have a, my own burner. If you just send me an address, I'm sure I can get one to you. I'm not, not too concerned about that. I uh, I have that, and if you need that physically, that you, you can show to somebody or to play for yourself wherever you're at. I'm I'm happy to try to make that happen. But uh, so let me go. I, I let me go to this next caller. I think it was. Did I say? Uh, I kind of forgot which phone call it was. Eight one. I'm going to go to actually the one here is on hold a little bit longer. Six zero seven three seven two. Area code six zero seven three seven two. 
you're on live. Hello? Area code 607-372. Hello, hello? All right, we'll go to the next caller. Uh, let me see. I've got uh, 607. Uh, let me go here. This one's been on a little bit longer. So um, let me go to, oh, there's one that's a 810712. 810712. You're on live? Hello? Hello? How are you? Good. How are you? What's your name? Sherry. I couldn't hear you. Carrie? No, Sherry. Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Um, yeah. I've been on the site chatting, Nancy, and if it's the right mark, I'm thinking of great people. They're so nice. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> quick question, hopefully, because I know you're running yeah. out of time. Um, question about, like, medications that I'm prescribed to take. I don't want mm-hmm. to be on them. <laughs> um, would love yeah. to get off of them. And back to, like, the cleansing of the penal gland and what Mark had mentioned, the fasting aspect. How do you feel that you're right with everything and get off of that? You know, like you were saying, the different anchors that you feel are holding you back. Yeah. You know, to how how do you deal with that? If it's things that physically, like you said, the dependency factor as far as what your body tells you it needs. Exactly which direction is that coming from? Is that coming from what I actually need or is that also, you know, the satanic world that we're in sucking me back in? Yeah, well, you know, I can tell you that from a prescription medication standpoint, I know plenty of people. um, I'm not going to make suggestions about what you do. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know your personal situation. I don't know your physical conditions, but I can tell you that I haven't seen a whole lot. I know that there are certain conditions that people have had where they feel that they that they wouldn't be alive unless it were for the medications. Now, my my daughter is a type 1 diabetic, so I know precisely what that is from a physical standpoint. I know that she doesn't have beta cells anymore. She doesn't create insulin. It's not like somebody that's type 2 where that that's just an insulin rejection. It's insulin resistance. So I know that she has to have insulin. And if she doesn't, well, then her blood sugar skyrocket and, and her time would be limited because her blood would literally begin to turn to crystals, carve up all of her arteries, and that's where you know people start losing their feet and their eyesight and their kidneys go, and you, you wouldn't last very long. So there are certain situations that, that are, quite honestly, caused by the circumstances of this world. Um, all of the aluminum in the air, aluminum oxide in the air is causing Alzheimer's, has for quite some time. So these things are caused, uh, caused on us. Um, so I can't say specifically about my your condition. Also, but yeah. Yes, all of them, right? So all of these, and, and many of the medications are to maintain sicknesses that you have, um, which is really kind of nuts. I know that people have a spike yeah. in, their, in, their, in their blood pressure, and so they put them on blood pressure meds. Not only does the blood pressure go up, but then it sustains that higher level. And so the medication is maintaining yeah. that, and they've gone off of it, and they start exercising properly, and their, and their blood pressure goes back down to normal. They would rather give you a prescription than have you do it naturally, right? But here's what the one yeah. thing that I want to explain is that when you begin to make a transition spiritually so heavily that you, you grasp who you are, you are far mm-hmm. bigger. So even though, look, the enemy doesn't create, he takes what is the father's and corrupts it. So the father creates everything. He creates 
everything, but the enemy takes it and it corrupts it, and that's what this prison's all about. So there is a lot of you that is by design, obviously, that is made by the Father. It, it wouldn't be able to exist because the enemy can't create it. So here's the reality of that is that you have – your body is remarkable in the way that one cell of your brain and one little tiny map of the DNA built your whole body. Your brain knows how it all functions. The thing that makes your body sick is your inability to actually use your brain and to even believe that you can control it, right? But right. Your, your mind controls what your body does. I know this for a fact. I was very sick. I was very sick, and I coughed that right out of my lungs because I recognized this and began to focus on that to get it out and coughed literally a cancerous chunk right out of my lungs. So I know that this I know that this functions. I know that this works. I don't have any question. I can I can control this this body. Yes, there's lots of opposition in the enemy. You're being attacked and you're being hit with every kind of microwave and everything out there. It, it speaks to the resilience of who we are because our soul and our spirit animates this flesh, right? So our mind controls this and makes us act that's why we have to pay such close attention to to what our mind is doing because we do have that reptilian side of our mind which is precisely what it's called which is the enemy's control mechanism but the rest of it you get to operate you get to control in the spirit and when you can get in the spirit and being as as people have misinterpreted as to what born again born again is all of this truth and understanding you do take on a physical feature your body will change i've watched people died in themselves. I watched a guy in prison that, that I sat with him because I could spend so much time with him. I watched him physically alter. I watched him lose 60 pounds. I watched his eyes change, how he would look differently. He always looked angry. I watched him lose wrinkles. I watched him physically change. And right. he was even noticing it. And so and it's not even that he was paying attention to it. He just had lost the stress, lost this this anger, all of these things, and his body started to change as a result of it. I always try to explain to people that we wear our sin. We wear it. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that it's something that it's against somebody. Maybe it's something that we hold against ourselves, but we wear it. I mean, look at this country, okay? This country itself has more debt and has literally spawned debt at levels that have put the entire planet in debt. In debt. We have pushed this upon the people. We have killed and murdered millions of people unjustifiably in the name of security and this. And we have tortured. We've done some unbelievable things. Now, if you think that that doesn't bear on you when you're holding up the flag and you're going on part of that, well, I don't know. Look at this country. Do you think that it's just massive obesity, morbid obesity, because because we got fast food places? No, those fast food places that are there to feed the debt system that is there and then we start developing that on the bodies. We become a physical manifestation of our condition. That's what the temple was about when Christ said there won't be one stone not thrown down because he was going to destroy their ideas, destroy their false beliefs, and the people would then tear that temple out of the ground because the temple itself is a lie. The same thing with obesity and the conditions of this world and our physical issues. When you tear down the lies in your, in your life and in your world and you start understanding these truths, your physical body will change. And you won't need many of the meds that you're on unless it's a dependency like, those th like the thing I was speaking of with insulin. Your physical body will right. change. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. So I'm on the right track. That works. Oh, Terrific. All right, well, thank you All right, so Sharon. very, very much.
You're welcome, Sherry. I appreciate you calling, and uh, hopefully you can call in next time as well, whatever question you have. Yeah, I just want to hopefully if somebody's got enough time, they, they can get another question in for you. All righty. Yeah, I've got eight minutes, so I'm going to try to take one more. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, Sherry. Okay. Yep. Bye. So, uh, hmm? I'm going to go to, uh, let me see. I've got, I believe that one there. I'm going to go to, there's a phone number. I can't really tell what it is, but it says one, 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 one. So don't know whether that's your phone number. It's probably Skype or something else. I'll give that a shot. <coughs> okay. Can you hear me? Hello? Phone number 111? Hey, Brother Derek? Yes. Yeah, hey, this is Scott. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good. Hey, before I get to my questions, I just wanted to thank you for all you're doing to help people find the truth. And I know you're very humble and receiving thanks, but for whatever it's worth, big resounding thanks. Um. So, hey, my uh, my first question is, when you say that Christ is in me, how does that relate to the Holy Spirit in me? I mean, does that mean that the office of Christ is in me in the form of the Holy Spirit? Can you explain your, your thoughts on the, the Father, yeah. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. So the Holy Spirit is, um, in ancient texts, is called wisdom, right? So is what gives you the, the ability to see these things. The Christ is your, you are the son. So when it says, when Christ said, you are all sons of God, and the Old Testament, and he was quoting the Old Testament, it says, for I said that you are all sons of God, for you are all gods. So if you're a son of God, you are literally part of the realm of God. And this is why the Jews accused him, because they didn't even understand their own scriptures, why they said he makes himself equal to God by calling himself the son of God. But yet their own scriptures said the same thing. So... Here we have the same impasse today where the church will tell you, no, you're not the son of God. They'll tell you, you can't be Jesus. You can't be Christ. And, and I'm like, what did you ever not understand about what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, right? So Yeshua, Jesus, going to the Pharisees and saying, what are you talking about that I'm not a son of God? And so the church has convinced you that it's just this one guy. That the whole Old Testament talked about this one guy and the Messiah coming. The linear, the, the tiny little... Um, finite mind of man can only make it about ourself. So since just like I've, I've been articulating is that we only know about somebody else what we know of ourselves, And since we're so selfish, we can only articulate it so that the enemy appeals to that selfishness and says, no, it's that guy over there. They do that so you feel like that you can never obtain that thing, that you have to be friends with him. No, the reality is, is that inside of you, your spirit itself is eternal. You are already an eternal being. That's why the promises of eternal damnation or eternal paradise, you began as an eternal being. And where it says that you will die, well, you die, you come here, and this is death. You are in death right now. So the spirit in you lives forever. This physical body dies. The spirit in you being that of when you wake up to the Father, to the divine nature of the Father in you, all of a sudden, that Christ, which is you, comes alive. When you're not in Christ, you are Scott of the world. When you're in Christ and you are living fully in that and dead to Scott, you are no longer Scott. You're part of the body of Christ. 
right? So that's that's where where it says in scripture that that the return of the Son of Man, you know, putting one foot on the sea and one foot on the sand, that you're partially in the feminine, you're partially in the masculine, you're partially in heaven, and you're partially on earth. So you're in both of these places, and that's a that's a continuous battle where John would say, "I was in the spirit, and I heard the Father say this." When he's saying he's in the spirit, he's in Christ. So the Holy Spirit is kind of the one that is trying to wake up the Son inside of you with the wisdom. So the Holy Spirit is essentially the spirit that says, hey, and knocking on your door, have you recognized that you're a son of God yet? That's why Lucifer, in tempting Satan, tempting Christ on the mountain in the wilderness, said, if you are the son of God, he wants him to doubt that that's in him. Just like the church wants you to doubt that that's in you. And they want to convince you that you walking up on the platform and accepting Christ as your as your Lord and Savior without actually knowing anything about what that is. Just go up and say that magical enchantment. That is magician work. That's literally magic. That's of the enemy. The mere fact that they say this, because then they'll say that the scripture says, well, if you profess with your mouth and you believe with your heart, well, they're not telling you that because they're not explaining to you the depth of what that belief is or why you would speak it, that when you speak it, it's not just because you said the words that makes it true, it's because you know what those words are and you profess it. Professing that Christ is my Savior is my Savior. I profess that right now, right? Because Christ is in me. He is my Savior. He's the one, he's the one that brought me here. So I can profess it now only because I literally am living it. But just because I say it doesn't make it so. I actually have to be it. I have to live that. So these things, that's where, then that's precisely where the misinterpretation of what he says, you must drink my blood and eat my flesh, that you must consume the things that he's saying. You must understand this truth at such a depth that you've literally drank it and ate it and made it part of you because you become what you eat. You are what you eat. You manifest these things physically. If you eat poison, you'll be poisoned. If you eat truth, you will become that truth. So their misunderstanding of those words is, is where that comes from and the misteaching of that. And in fact, when he said those words, if you read in the scriptures, it said that the vast majority of everybody that followed him left him and no longer followed him except the 12. So Christ experienced some pretty amazing things with some of the things and, and some of the misinterpretations that he had. Just like some people won't understand what I'm saying. And they'll say, you said that so-and-so is Satan or whatever, and they want to attack me for it. I'm like, you didn't hear what I said. You've made a judgment based on your lack of understanding of something. You, you didn't understand what I said. You need more than, this isn't the Burger King nation. You're not going to understand all, all of this in five minutes or less. It's not going to happen. Did that help, Scott? Did I answer the question? Yeah, that's good. Good info. Thanks, Derek. Um, I have I have some questions related to that, but I think I'll I'll wait for the next the next call. Maybe running out of time. Yeah, I did want to ask. I did want to ask. I've only got though, ninety seconds this, left. <laughs> okay. Well, you probably won't have time to answer this one, but the title of the radio call mentions the end of days, so I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on what will be the main worldly drivers that will result in the end of days. You're, you're witnessing right now the beginning, uh, the beginnings of the signs of what these end of days are. Look, this this war that that is coming upon the world is being reacted to. The entire planet is preparing. The entire planet is preparing for this war. 
right? You can watch it. You can, if you look up these, they, they don't hold these things as secrets, coffins, the amounts of bullets, the amounts of things that they have, the amount of spraying in the chemtrails that's going on, what they're hiding up there from a celestial standpoint. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Now, I kind of look at the chemtrailing as, you know, when you go to a show and they're building the stage and they're putting together the set behind the curtain, that's just the curtain. What's behind that? Well, that's going to be a surprise. So these are the beginnings. This is the beginning of what you're about to see. I've got 30 seconds left, uh, Scott. So I'm going to, um, I'll definitely cover that. In fact, I'm going to probably do a, a video on that uh, pretty soon because um, there are things that, that you should be paying attention to, but to focus on those things, to focus on those things isn't important to focus on you, not being worried about the time, preparing yourself from the time, just like Christ said, don't worry about when, because you don't know the time, the day or the hour. Just know that it's coming. I love you all. Thank you for joining the show tonight. I hope everyone enjoyed and got something from it. I appreciate it. I'm going to do this more often.